Hey, good morning. I'm Playbook Deputy Editor Zach Stanton. It is Friday, April 21st, and here are a couple big stories I'm watching. Today, the Supreme Court's expected to issue a ruling with major implications for reproductive rights uh, and for health care. On Wednesday, you may recall that Justice Samuel Alito extended the stay on a lower court's ruling that would have severely restricted mifepristone, which is the most widely used abortion pill in the U.S. That stay ends tonight at 11.59 p.m., which means that we are likely to get some major insight over the next 12 hours or so, perhaps, into what the future of abortion rights looks like in a post-Roe and a post-Dobbs America. As we get into the weekend here, parts of Washington are already abuzz about next week and the days-long sort of button-down bacchanalia of the build-up to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. How's that for some alliteration? But there is actual news happening in Washington next week. The House is expected to vote on Republican Speaker Kevin McCarthy's opening debt limit proposal, which is aimed to be sort of a, a flex of power by the Republican House. Uh, One problem for McCarthy is that he doesn't have 218 votes lined up, uh, at least yet. And on the other side of the aisle, there's a problem for Democrats, which is that a growing number of House Dems want party leaders to restart negotiations on the debt limit proposal and are quietly, and in some cases not so quietly, nudging President Joe Biden to meet with McCarthy. You can actually read more about that from my colleagues Nick Wu and Adam Kankren, who wrote about this yesterday evening. The other thing happening next week that is already driving chatter in official Washington is that President Joe Biden is reportedly eyeing next Tuesday, uh, April 25th, for a sort of soft launch of his re-election campaign, uh, most likely via some sort of online video. Here to talk with me about that is the one and only Eugene Daniels. Eugene, what are you hearing? Hello. One and only. I appreciate that. Hello, Zach. I guess you're technically not the only because you are Eugene Daniels II. That's true. uh, I'm quite literally not the only. We've been talking about Joe Biden as if he's been running for a very long time, right? He's been saying he's he intends to run. He's been saying he plans to run. This has been happening probably since like his first press conference when folks asked what, what he was going to do in 2024. And so after months of waiting, it seems like, <laughs> based on our reporting um, and the reporting of a lot of other news outlets, that um, they are eyeing next week as some kind of kickoff. And there's a couple of reasons why it makes a lot of sense. One, Biden is super superstitious. And there's nothing that with more good juju than announcing your reelection on the exact same date as your successful bid for president. One of the things that's really interesting about an earlier announcement is then you can start fundraising that there's one camp that's like, we got to get this out early, girl, because we have got to get the money. The other camp in Biden world is people who feel like there's no reason for him to announce quickly. So that's what we're thinking we're going to see. And we have the White House Correspondents Association dinner next week. And so we may be sta- a, a president who has announced his reelection may be standing before us. You know, one thing we've seen in recent days in particular is the sort of sputtering out of the gate by Ron DeSantis. That might be a big, <laughs> bit of a mixed metaphor, but you, you see you see the sort of the early missteps of, of yeah. Ron DeSantis's nascent campaign. And uh, one way that that's manifested is that he continues to lose out uh, in the endorsement race 
against Donald Trump. You know, there's this sense of it, it being sort of this magnet that's attracting all this attention from folks in the media um, who are really interested in this angle uh, about Ron DeSantis's sort of one-on-one skills and, and his ability to make the sale and make the to close the sale in person. And we've seen a lot of members of Congress, current and former, uh, sort of come out in the last few days and say that, you know, Ron DeSantis, I may agree with him on some of these issues, but he lacks this personal touch. Um, I know you've done a little bit of reporting on that. What are you hearing? One of the things that's really great about working on Playbook is sometimes the scoops come to you, right? And so we got an email. <laughs> Our fabulous producers are always eyeing that. And one of them sent it to the rest of us. and like, hey, there's something <laughs> something in here that's interesting, but we definitely need to fact check it. And it was um, an email from what it seemed like was a former congressman from Michigan, David Trout, who was essentially saying, telling a story that he used to sit next to Ron DeSantis in the House Foreign Affairs Committee, and Ron DeSantis never spoke to him, ever. He, he never even introduced himself. Exactly. Like, there was none of that. Like, there was none of that. I shot him an email, I gave him a call, and we chatted. And kind of what he told me is what we've heard kind of over and over and over again, right? And I asked him, I said, well, you know, we we heard all these things. Is it just that maybe he was just so focused on being a congressman that he came in and he was like, I don't have time to talk to you people. I am working. Because <laughs> the question is, if Ron DeSantis actually, when he was coming to Congress, maybe he was just focused. And he said that he didn't get that case at all. I, I think he's an asshole. I don't think he cares about people. Uh, he, he certainly never seemed nervous. If anyone was nervous, it was me. Uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I was a you know fish out of water, and uh, um, he he never developed uh, any relationships with other members that I know of that were you know you'd never see him talking on the floor with other people or palling around. And no, I think he's uh, just a very arrogant guy, very focused on on what uh, you know on Ron DeSantis. All of this grist from these members of Congress, former members of Congress about Ron DeSantis, basically tell you that they are not scared of him, right? They are not scared of blowback from Ron DeSantis anymore as his poll numbers have gone down, as he's seemingly becoming less of a number one choice for folks in the Republican primary. It doesn't mean that it can't get better, right? We've seen a lot of comeback stories. It's not that he can't. It's about how does he do it? Eugene Daniels, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. For an expanded schedule of everything happening in D.C. today and every day, and for more reporting, please check out our newsletter at politico.com slash playbook. I'm Zach Stanton. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend.